Welcome to all of you who are joining us online and in the fellowship hall today. This year, since July 4th falls on a Monday, I'm guessing that many of you have a bonus day off tomorrow. So my prayer for you in this long weekend is, may you know true rest. I think it's a beautiful thing when we celebrate all that it cost our fledgling country in 1776 to declare independence, that many of us celebrate by spending time with family or friends, grilling or swimming or eating or playing, by intentionally resting. Now, on the surface, that might seem like a strange way to honor the costly work of those who came before us, but I don't see it that way. The ability for us to rest is a precious gift, and it's one to be treasured. It's a hard-won gift that's honored best when it's appreciated and used. And if you can't lay down the stresses of everyday life from time to time to just see and experience the beauty of what you do have, to truly see the gift of the life around you. No matter how much you think you have or how much you've worked to accomplish, you're not truly free. To choose rest, to lay down our doing and our achieving is in itself a declaration of independence from the world's demanding expectations. And for those of us who are in Christ, it's also a declaration of our dependence on someone greater than ourselves. When we choose to lay down our burdens and rest, we declare our dependence on Jesus' grace to be sufficient for us. We declare that we are dependent on his work, his power, and his love to be the foundation of our worth. And that makes us free. In him we find rest for our souls. And this weekend in our country, we honor and celebrate what it cost others to give us the opportunity to be citizens of the melting pot that is these United States of America. We remember those who made it possible, and it's good to honor those who have gone before us. But we gather here today for a different purpose. We gather here to honor the one whose blood has given us an eternal citizenship. We honor Jesus, whose rule comes not by our election or by our choosing. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His glory reverberates throughout all eternity because he has won it through the loving sacrifice he has given for all the world. He is and he will be Lord when this creation ends and when the new one begins. He is who we gather to honor. And because of Jesus' life laid down for us, we're invited to be citizens of an eternal kingdom that includes people of every tribe and tongue, of every people and nation, from every generation, made up of all who will enter into the rest of his free gift of costly, hard-won grace. Jesus makes of us a kingdom. So as we live out our earthly citizenships, we prayerfully hope to display love both for God and love for our neighbor. And we hope to represent Jesus well, but sometimes we do it poorly, as sinful humans like us are prone to do. There's only one who sees all things as they truly are, and we are not him. We are all in need of his mercy. Only what Jesus holds in his nail-scarred hands will remain forever. So this is where we anchor, not in us, but in him. And the author of Hebrews doesn't want any of us to miss that. 
So the message of freedom for you from your Savior today is, Beloved, enter into my rest. And Hebrews 4 speaks to just how important it is that we do. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Are you feeling restless? Seems like rest can sometimes be an elusive thing for us. For you parents of newborns, for you who are wrestling with heavy decisions, for you who are grieving the painful losses of loved ones, for you who are wondering how to make it from paycheck to paycheck, for those of you who struggle with the weight of so many of the hurts of this broken world that they threaten to crush you. What causes you to feel restless, anxious, fearful? What drives you to keep on pushing when your body and your mind and your spirit are screaming for a break, for grace, for an escape? This world is full of voices that are constantly screaming for our attention. We live in an ever-fluctuating world of gray, demanding we pretend that things are only just black or white, a world of torn loyalties between money and security, ideals and compassion, power and idolatry, ambition and expectation, and into this messy, confusing world. Jesus speaks from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus reminds us that in this world we are not going to have all of the answers. Instead, he simply invites us, just come to me, yoke with me, and I'll walk with you. Let me shoulder it with you. You don't have to carry anything in this world alone. And that kind of goes against the grain for us. We want the world to see us as strong and as independent. But when we do so, we forfeit what we actually need to make us resilient, what actually gives us strength to take the time that we all need to rest and to be filled by the one who is the source of our strength. Hebrews 4 reminds us that after creation, God chose to intentionally rest, creating a Sabbath day because he knew that we would need that example. He knew that it's when we don't take the time to rest, to just stop doing and just be in his presence, that we forget that we're not in this alone that we start to feel like the weight of the world is ours to bear on our shoulders. And that's when our hearts start to get hard, when fear and anxiety and stress harden us to the point where we become blind to the grace that holds us. And hard-hearted, we start to lose our grace for others. And the setup for this teaching on rest actually started last week in Hebrews 3. Pastor Darren set it up for you last week, reminding you of how in Exodus, a whole generation of people ended up living their whole lives and dying off in the wilderness during the wandering years because they simply refused to trust God for the future he promised them. He wanted to lead them into the promised land. They wouldn't go. (laughs) 
It was actually the next generation, their kids, who ended up trusting God enough to follow his leading into that promised future. There was a blessing. There was a future prepared for them if they would receive it by faith. But because they would not trust, they couldn't enter into that rest. Hebrews 4.9 then is for us both a warning and a proclamation of hope. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Make every effort to enter rest. That sounds a little bit like a contradictory statement, doesn't it? Does it really take that much effort to enter into rest? Um, yeah. (laughs) That's the constant battle of faith, isn't it? But that effort is probably more aptly called surrender. Entering into rest is an act of trust. It actually takes more courage to trust God with your life than to keep trusting in what you do for yourself. But when they did, that's when their feet entered the promised land. And what God wanted to give his people then, a future and a hope for all who would trust in him, he then did for all the world on a much grander scale, an eternal one, when he sent his son Jesus. We're so used to trusting in what we do for us and for God to prove our worth. But what Jesus invites us to do instead is to fall on his grace. And Jesus teaches this to the crowds in John 6 when they ask him a very pointed question about what do you expect from us? Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. What's the work required? Jesus says, trust me. Believe that what I came to give is for you. Open up your tightly clenched fists around your accomplishments and let go. It's a trust fall into Jesus' grace. Trust falls are scary, aren't they? Because they take trusting. But the trust fall is what it takes for you to know that you have been caught And it's not your power, not your effort, not your goodness that saves you, but his. He is the one who will hold you. He's the one who will carry you. And either you're going to think that you will save you or that he will. But I can tell you, you will never know true freedom. You will never know true rest until you let him be the one to catch you. Enter into his rest. Now, why is that so hard for us to simply trust? When I think of that first generation wandering the desert, it really does baffle me because they saw him open up the Red Sea to lead them through. They saw him lead them with a pillar of cloud and fire. They saw that God was providing for them in profound ways every single step of the way, every day. And they so seemed to take it for granted that they no longer even noticed how profound that was. Deuteronomy 29.5 says, Yet the Lord says, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, 
nor did the sandals on your feet. Just think about that. I go through a pair of sandals every summer. (laughs) Forty years in the desert, they didn't wear out. And Nehemiah remembers before God in Nehemiah 9, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave them your good spirit to instruct them. You did not hold, with, withhold your manna from their mouths, the bread from heaven, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. God was clearly with them, and yet they wouldn't trust him for their future. Why? What kept them from receiving the blessings God wanted to give them? What kept them from seeing the evidence of his faithfulness right in front of them? Well, I think their problem was their focus. Somewhere along the line, they got so focused on the struggles, on the hardships, on all the things that went wrong, that they were no longer able to see anything else. Their hearts became hard. And on the Sabbath day, they stopped using their Sabbath to remember that God's got this so they can rest. And they started thinking instead, God is forcing us to stop. Now how are we supposed to accomplish anything? And so they missed how God wanted to lead them, what he wanted to give them. And it took the next generation to notice. And the truth is, for us too, until we stop and look around, we also don't notice what God is up to, how he's providing for us, how he's caring for us. When our focus becomes our hectic, anxious, fearful doing to meet all the expectations around us, we end up losing our center. We unplug from the source of our strength and our resilience. We become so used to trusting in what we do for us and for God, trying to prove our worth, trying to find our life ourselves. But it turns out, the work that God requires, what Jesus invites us to do, is to trust fall on his grace. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Jesus invites us, trust me, I've got you. Enter into my rest. So how in the world do we actually do that? (laughs) How do we let go to truly know the freedom of being held by his saving grace? Well, I think it takes a weekly, if not daily, surrender. And the more we practice doing that, the more natural it becomes in our lives. And the less we fist our hands, and the more we're able to open them, to receive, and we open our hands to God and to one another. A regular Sabbath practice of worship is also part of that, to reset your week by remembering God is God and I am not. So everyone breathe in, God is God, I am not. Out. Breathe in, God is God. Breathe out, I am not. Reset. It's a beautiful thing to remember. Another is the spiritual discipline of confessional prayer. Just like the old hymn says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. 
Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. One of my favorite biblical examples of this in practice is actually found in the middle of Psalm 73. So if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, I'd like to invite you to open up Psalm 73 because it's such a great example of this. I'd love for you to see it yourself. So the psalmist writes this psalm, and he starts by confessing that he has been in a very bad mood. He's in a very bad place in his spirit because he's mad. He's angry. And when he looks at the world, he sees so many people in power are hurting people. And yet they seem to have everything. They have health and wealth and power, and it makes him mad, the injustice of it all. And he whines at God, it's not fair. Why do they get to have that, do that? And he stays in this place of anger and rage and stress. He's resentful and he's frustrated until he entered into the house of the Lord and there he found a larger perspective. In the house of worship, he remembered God alone is God and that we're all accountable to him. No one is above him. And it's not ours to judge what we can't even know about another. That's his job. Ours is simply to lean into him and to be his for the sake of others. And it's amazing to see how this shift happens in verses 21 and 22. He recognizes the state of his heart, how restless and tied up he's been in anger and in bitterness. The psalmist says in verse 21 and 22, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Heart hard, fists clenched. And then... Almost without warning, unexpectedly, he just lets go. He trust falls back into the arms of the Lord in the next verse. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist remembers that there is one who is bigger, who is with him, who carries him. And he enters, he trust falls into that rest. Now, how in the world does he do that? Does that hit his spirit to allow him to enter into that rest? Well, I'm guessing this was not his first trust fall. <laughs> that somewhere along the line in life, he came to realize that a life focused in on the darkness, on the trouble, on the problems, doesn't actually lead anywhere good. But when we focus on what is true, what is noble, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable, what is excellent and praiseworthy, it opens our hearts to see where the God of peace is with us. We remember we have a Savior who never leaves us alone in the darkness, but who has entered into the heart of it, even in death on the cross, so that we could see there will always be one to hold us, to carry us, to turn to, even in our brute beast moments. And because of that love that finds us, we find the strength to hope again and trust him enough to follow where he leads us, one step forward at a time. 
But it does take effort, beloved, to let go, to surrender, to trust fall into the rest of Jesus' grace, to reset our hearts, to take a step forward with him. And so we practice the trust fall every week. That's what we do here every Sunday. We honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We confess and we're caught by his grace. We remember our God alone is king and we are his beloved ones who sometimes succeed and sometimes fail. But falling on his grace, we are held. And we make it our discipleship practice to enter into his rest because the work God requires is simply to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is our peace. And as I was preparing for today, I found in the interpreter's Bible com commentary this amazing quote. It says, The invitation to enter into God's rest is never delivered until every man, woman, and child hears it as an invitation to him. The Bible is never God's word for me, until it singles me out, points its finger at me, and declares, this is for you. Beloved, do you know this rest, this grace is for you? Do you know that whenever we confess and receive forgiveness, whenever we come to the table of Jesus, we are practicing our trust fall into his grace? receiving the free gift of his body and blood given for each one of us to remind us he has claimed us, body and soul, that you are the one that he has died to redeem. We're nourished and cleansed and strengthened by his saving work in this sacrament, hearing his words, his promise, that he did this for you, for the forgiveness of your sin, so that you are held by a new covenant by his grace alone. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So today, beloved, enter into that rest. Jesus will be handling all your baggage today. Jesus, who sees all the best of who you are and can be, and who the Holy Spirit's work wants to coax you into being able to see it too. And not just the best in you, but in your neighbor too, who he loves, who he died for, who he also longs to know that he can catch them also in his grace. So today, declare your independence from the world's expectations. Bring all your griefs and your sins to the cross and leave them with Jesus. Come and just be, be loved by him. For as 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells us, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. So declare your dependence on his amazing love. Fall into his grace. Enter into his rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your grace. We thank you that you came to be our Savior. And we confess we need you every day and every hour. We pray, Lord, as we navigate this world and navigate our sorrows and our struggles, as we turn into brute beasts from time to time in our spirits, Lord, would you remind us by your Holy Spirit, would you nudge us to remember and to know this is the moment to trust fall into your grace, to fall into your arms, to be reset to know that you are God and we are not. 
And Lord, we pray that as we humble our hearts before you, as you recreate us by your grace, that you would lead us and guide us, that you would show us one step at a time how you are recreating us and the lives around us. Lord, teach us to rest, to enter into your rest, and to be remade by your love. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.